All right, if you've got your program that you're handed on the way in, or I guess it was on your seat when you got here, I'll go ahead and turn, open that up to the outline. Um, there's several things that we're going to, I want to catch you up. If you weren't here last week, I'm going to give you like a really high-speed review. But I want to encourage you, if you weren't here last week, you weren't able to watch online, uh, to go back and see that message because this is kind of a two-part. I just have way too much to condense this down. There are too many foundational truths that we need if we're going to follow our Savior um, and really, really be a child of God that, that I wanted to make sure I didn't rush through any of this. Um, for those of you who are new, um, we have been in this series now called Unmasking Relationships for several weeks. And we've been talking about timeless relational truths in the new normal. But the reality is that some of these things that God wrote down 2,000 years ago or even 5,000 years ago, we're going to talk about a verse, um, they apply to us in 2020, 2021, even in the midst of a, of a pandemic, just like the book of James did as we were going through it all of last year. So we've been, this is a relationship series a series on relational health, and we've been asking ourselves, you know, how do we make our relationships better? How do we make them healthier? How do we improve our relationships? And last week we started talking about this idea of approval addiction, the addiction to the approval of others. And we said if we don't deal with this issue, we're going to spend a lot of our lives being miserable. We can, because we can end up being controlled by people. Really, we're controlled by their expectations of us. And the verse that I read you last week from Proverbs 29, verse 25, in the, today's English version says, it is, it is a dangerous trap, circle dangerous trap, it is a dangerous trap to be concerned with what others think of you. But if you trust the Lord, you are safe. So last week we began looking at the five reasons why trying to please everyone is a trap. And I had you jot these down last week. I'm just going to hit them really quick um, to kind of catch us up. I don't think you have to fill anything out. It's right there on your outline. Why trying to please everyone is a trap? Number one, it causes me to miss God's purpose for my life. We can't be worried with pleasing everyone else and worried about finding God's plan for our life at the same time. Number two, it keeps me from growing in my faith. When we try to please everyone, it stunts our ability to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. The fear of human opinion disables our ability to grow closer in our relationship with Jesus. Number three, it causes me to sin. And we talked about how it causes me to sin by causing me to give in to peer pressure. And the verse that I read you from all the way back in the second book of the Bible, Moses wrote it down in Exodus 23, 2. says, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. It's the same thing your mom has been telling you since middle school. Don't follow the crowd in doing wrong. The fourth reason it's a trap is it causes hypocrisy in our lives. And we talked about how when hypocrisy invades our lives that we end up wearing masks, not COVID mask, but we put on a mask to hide who we really are and to present ourselves to different groups of people as how we 
perceive that they want us to present ourselves. And whenever we're trying to please everyone by wearing a mask, God God doesn't want us to waste our energy in that direction. He wants us to be the same inside and outside. He calls that integrity. And we talked about integrity is more important than popularity. And then finally, the fifth reason it's a trap or that causes a trap in my life is it silences my witness. It silences my ability to share the simple truths of who Jesus is and how he's changed my life. When we're pleasing everybody else, we don't, we don't bear a witness. So we talked about what is the antidote. That's where we kind of ended last week is, so what do I do about this? How do I break free from these traps? What's the antidote to addiction approval? In other words, how do I break free from being a people pleaser, the people pleaser prison? Well, I mentioned to you at the end last week that the only way we can change is to change the way that we think, that this particular struggle is in our mind. When we have a fear of disapproval, when we have a fear of conflict, when we have a fear of rejection, when we are overly worried about what people think about us or what people say about us, then that's going to run and ruin our lives. Those, the expectations of others are going to dominate our lives. Romans 12.1, which Elisa mentioned, that, that study that they're in, says be transformed. There's that word again, circle transformed. That's what this whole 50 days is going to be about. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, the way you change your life is you've got to change your mind. Actually, the, the truth of that really expounded is the way you allow God to change your life is to allow God to change your mind. When God changes the way we think, it changes the way we act, and that changes our life. So I want, you to give, I want to give you six facts to remember about pleasing people, and I want you to jot these down, because these are not just six foundational truths about, about be, not being a people pleaser, but these are really six foundational truths to following our Savior. In the Christian life, if you're going to be a Christ follower, if you're going to be a child of God, like we sang that very first song this morning, these are foundational truths that you're going to see over and over and over in the Bible. You've heard me mention many of these before. So the first thing I want you to jot down is I've got to remember that even God can't please everybody. Even God can't please everybody. Someone says, well, is there really anything God can't do? Well, I don't know if there's anything God can't do or not, but I can tell you what he won't do. He won't please everybody. He doesn't please everybody. God doesn't even try to please everybody. Remember I talked to you about the Super Bowl, how half the country was praying for Kansas City to win and half the country was praying for Tom Brady to win, I mean Tampa Bay to win, you know, the wrong TB there. And, um, and then half of the country at least was disappointed, weren't they? Because God doesn't try to please everybody. So going through life, trying to please everybody when God doesn't even try to do that can be so frustrated. Even God can't do that. Okay, you're all caught up. Let's start with number two for fresh material this morning. And I want to spend a little time talking about number two. Because I think that many of us need to hear this truth. I want you to jot it down. Six facts to remember. The first fact is even God 
can't please everyone. The second thing I want you to write down is I don't need anyone's approval to be happy. I don't need anyone's approval to be happy. I don't need it. Not only am I not going to get it often, I don't need it. You don't need everybody's approval to be happy. Why? You've heard me say this many times. It's because happiness is a choice. Will you feel that in? Happiness is a choice. We're as happy as we choose to be. What other people think of us really has no relationship to our happiness unless we choose to let them manipulate us or their expectations change us. We don't need other people's approval to be happy. Happiness is a choice. If we think we can only be happy if they like us, doesn't matter who it is. If I think the only way I can be happy is if she likes me or he likes me or they like me or my parents like me or my kids like me. If I think the only way I can be happy is if someone else likes me, then we're not going to be happy most of our life. Let me give you some facts that the Bible teaches. You don't have to jot these down, but someone asked me for them after the service. If you'll email me, I'll, I'll send them to you. Number one, this is what the Bible teaches in a lot of different ways. You can't please everyone. Number two, you don't have to please any, everybody. Number three, God doesn't expect you to please everybody. Number four, you don't meet everybody's approval. You don't need every, anybody's approval to be happy. And number five, no matter what you do, somebody's going to disagree with you. Have you figured this out yet? Are you on social media at all? Yeah, no matter what you do or say, somebody's going to disagree with you. And then finally, the, the disapproval doesn't have to ruin your happiness. Some of you have spent your entire life trying in your mind to please an unpleasable person. Often, probably a parent. You wanted to show them that they were wrong. And your dad or your mom, you heard them say over and over again, you're never going to amount to anything. Or you're worthless. Or why can't you be like your brother? All these things. And in your mind, you have thought to yourself, you know what, I'm going to prove him wrong. I'm going to prove her wrong. And you've tried and tried and tried to win the approval of that person, that unpleasable person. And you haven't done it yet. You haven't gotten their approval. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for the pain that that's caused in your life. But let me just tell you something. It's, it's a self-inflicted prison, a self-inflicted pain. The person that you've been trying to get their approval your whole life, and you haven't gotten it yet, guess what? You ain't ever going to get it. If you have not gotten their approval to this point, you're never going to get their approval. You're just not ever going to give it. Let me just tell you something even more important than that. It's not about you. This is really about them, not you. It's not your fault. If, if they're saying something about you, if they're not saying, I approve of you, that's their problem. That doesn't say something about who you are. That really tells us a lot about who they are. They're unpleasable. Maybe you had this experience growing up. You got... You know, your parents, when you brought your report card home and you had all C's, what did they tell you? You've got to get on that B honor roll. You've got to buckle down. You're going to, I'm taking away you this. You're going to be, we're going to 
and you you worked hard, you turned it up a few notches, and all of a sudden you got all B's. And when you showed up with all B's, what did they do? They moved the goalpost, didn't they? Now all of a sudden you got to get an, you got to get A's. You need to get an A. The time you came home with a report card, and you got you finally got your first A. You remember what that was like, and what did they do? Like now you need straight A's, and it's like. When you're trying to please an unpleasable parent or when you're trying to please someone that's unpleasable, that's their problem. It's not your problem. And I got to tell you, if you haven't gotten their approval by now, you're never going to you're never going to get it. You're just not going to. Some of you are 50 years old, some of you are 60 years old, and you're still trying to get somebody's approval and you're not going to get it. But the best news is you don't need it. You don't need their approval to be okay, to be happy. You don't need their approval. Like that great theologian Elsa says, you got to let it go, let it go. You don't need their approval, let it go. I hope that's Elsa and not Anna. My, uh, my two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter will straighten me out on that at home. I don't need other people's approval in order to be happy. What I need, now look, don't, this isn't pop psychology. This is, don't take my word for this. We have to have the same mindset as our Savior Jesus. Do you know what Jesus says about this? Look what he says in John chapter 5, verse 41. Jesus looks at the Pharisees and he says, Your approval means nothing to me. Remember we said last week that the bigger God is in our life, the smaller people are in our life. And the bigger we make people in our life, the more diminished the smaller God is in our life. If God is big in our life, and Jesus is number one in our life, then he sets us free from the approval addiction. Jesus sets us free because we're focused on him. It's just like the song. Jesus sets us free from a lot of things. Just like the song we sang at the beginning of the service. It says the truth will set you free. And what we sang was if the son sets you free, then you're free indeed. Jesus said those words. He sets us free from the pain of bitterness. He sets us free from the burden of guilt. He sets us free from the fear of death. There's a lot of things that Jesus sets us free from. But one of the things that he sets us free from is the expectation of others. Wow, if we could just get this. When we're set free from the expectations of other people, then we can be who our creator made us to be. Instead of being what everybody else tries to mold us into being. Like we said last week, God has a wonderful plan for your life. God loves you, but everybody else has the wonderful plan for your life, don't they? So if we're looking to any human being to meet all of our needs, we're going to be severely disappointed, just like Kristen said. Because nobody can do that. Only God can meet all our needs. We need to teach this to our kids, especially with the craziness that's happening in, in the world today. You've got Christian leaders falling. You've got political leaders falling. You've got leaders in school falling. They can't put their hope and their faith in any man or any woman, though even their parents are failing and falling. 
we've got to teach our kids, our young people, that God is the only one that can meet all of our needs. And we need to learn that ourselves. Let me say it another way. If we're looking to any human being to keep us happy, then we're going to be unhappy most of our life. Because they're going to disappoint us. Your spouse cannot make you happy. Certainly can't keep you happy. Human love runs out. I can count on that. That human love will not get me through emotionally every need that I have. So I don't need the approval of other people. Third thing, third truth I want you to jot down. Oh, I'm sorry. I got a little bit more to go. I skipped a whole page. Our happiness, if, if you're going to want to remain happy, the Bible word for that is joy, by the way. If you're going to want joy in your life, the best thing to do is to trust your happiness, trust your joy into somebody or something that cannot be taken away from you. That's really the only thing that can't be taken away from you on this planet is your relationship to Jesus Christ. So we need to look to God to meet our needs, and we need to trust our heart, our happiness, as we sang about. We need to trust that to God. This is a verse I didn't want to, I didn't want to miss. Isaiah 51.12. Now this is God saying these words. Isaiah 51.12. Your heavenly Father, your Creator, your good, good Father says this. He says, I am the one who comforts you. I'm the one who meets your emotional needs is what he's saying. Not all these other people. I'm the one who comforts you. So why are you afraid of mere humans who wither like the grass and disappear? In other words, people are going to grow old. People are going to move off. People are going to get divorced. People are going to die. All of these things are going to happen. The only one you can count on to be there is the God who says, I'm the one who's going to meet all your emotional needs. He says, why are you looking at those other people to do this anyway? I'm the only one who can do it. And first off, if you're looking at someone else, even your spouse, to meet all your emotional needs, all of your needs, it's unfair to them. And it's disappointing to us. Because the one thing that God has promised us, if we're a child of God, I am a child of God, we say. The one thing that he's promised us is that other people may reject you, but if you put your faith in Christ, if you are a child of God, if you're in the family of God, God says, I will never, never, never forsake you. I will never, never, never reject you. Because his love is unconditional. Just like Christ said, he knows our heart, but he loves us anyway. He knows our failures, but he loves us unconditionally anyway. This is one of the most amazing verses in the Bible. Psalm 27:10 says, "If my even if my father and mother abandon me," David writes. In other words, they reject me. Even my father and my mother reject me, abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. I can count on that. So, I don't need everybody's approval to be happy. Third truth that I want you to jot down that we really need to remember if we're going to be a Christ follower, is that what seems so important now is only temporary. What seems so important now is only temporary. And the reason we become a people pleaser is because we put 
more emphasis in the here and now than we do in eternity. When we have short-term thinking instead of long-term thinking, what do I mean by short-term thinking? A year, 10 years, next 30 or 40 years while I'm on this planet, that's short-term thinking. You're thinking, Jerry, I thought that was long-term. I mean, I got these long-term retirement plans. Look, God's plans for you are far longer than retirement. He has eternal plans for you. So you you got to take some of the time you spend on retirement planning and on vacation planning on what is my goals going to be for this year. And we need to focus on what really matters, which is eternal preparation. He wants us to focus not on the temporary, not on the things that are going to fall apart. Because the things that we really think are important right now, a week from today, they're not going to matter very much. A month from today, nobody's even going to know. The stuff that we really feel is pressured right now, just temporary. Let me give you an example. How many of you can remember back to high school? I know for some of us it's a stretch. It's like over 30 years ago. What were your five biggest concerns the second week of March in your senior year? You know, can you remember back that far? I graduated in 1985. What were your five biggest concerns your, the second week of March of your senior Will Bobby like me? You know, is that your concern? Am I going to get invited to the party Friday night? We're all worried about that. You know, am I going to have a date for the prom? Are we going to win this game this week? Am I going to pass this test? Right, this exam? Five years later, did any of that matter? Maybe she's still were sweet on Bobby. No, it didn't matter five years later. It doesn't matter now. It seems so important to the high school senior. You know, I had somebody came up to me after the service and they said, I remember reading in my diary that I wrote in middle school, I will never forget what happened today. And she said, but I didn't write down what it was. I totally forgot what happened today. <laughs> yes, we totally forget. Let me tell you what the mark of maturity is. M- maturity is we real- when we realize Everybody that I think is important isn't. And everything I think isn't important, it really is. That's maturity. Maturity is learning that all the things that we thought were so important really aren't that important at all. Some of you have gone back to high school reunion. Have you ever been gone back to high school reunion? And you realize when you go to your 20th reunion or whatever, man, some of these people peaked their senior year, didn't they? I mean, they're like, they're still talking about the touchdown, they, the, the pass they caught, you know, for crying out loud, right? And, and from like high school on, it's been just down, 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 doobie-doo, down, downhill, right? The truth is, in our society, most of the time, it's the late bloomers who make the biggest contributions to the world. I would imagine if you were to interview all the high school classmates of Bill Gates, Right after high school, they would have gone, who? You mean that the chess club, the nerdy guy that kind of just blended in? We don't even know who he is. But everybody knows who Bill Gates is at their 30th reunion, don't they? Oh, yeah. You see, you don't want to peak too soon in life. Does that make sense? I know some people are saying, well, Jerry, I still haven't peaked. (laughs) That's okay. You hang out here. We'll put you over that pre-K department. You You can change the world. We'll put you with some middle schoolers. You'll, uh, you'll have a chance to 
mold and make people. Here's what I believe. I really believe the best of your life is the rest of your life. That you can make, no matter what your age is, you can make the best years of your life the rest of your life. Look what, what the Apostle John wrote in John, 1 John 2.12. He says, The world and everything in it that people desire is passing away. But those who do the will of God will live forever. He's comparing short-term thinking and long-term thinking. He says everything that is here that you can see, it's going to all pass away. Everything that's really important, it's the things that we don't even see. Because all the stuff I think is important, it isn't. An eternal perspective gives us freedom. Let me tell you why this is a problem. It's a really problem more so today than ever before because of our 24-hour news cycle. Cable news has news on 24 hours a day other than a commercial or two here or there. And either then they can have news flying around the screen. And 24-hour news makes it seem like that everything that happens is so, it's all breaking news. It's all so important. It's life or death. It's stop what you're doing and come over to the TV and watch or tune in and click on to see what's happening because this is so important. And it's not. Because if you were to fast forward three to five days, you know, think about What was the big story five days ago? What was the big story ten days ago? We don't even remember because we're we're in the here and now. What's what's the news right now? That's why we don't ever read. Old old news is never read. It's old. It's worthless. You remember when you used to go into a doctor's office? This is years ago before COVID. They would have magazines. This is way years ago, right? I mean, now you can't. You can't, you can't read anything, you can't take anything with you. You, you know, you got to wait outside, they call you from your car. Remember when you would go in and remember doctor's offices had these magazines all out where everybody could just germ all up on their own? Crazy, no wonder we, how do we live through that? And, and you'd be thumbing through here and you go, oh, Sports Illustrated. Oh, it's 18 months old. Who wants to read Sports Illustrated from 18 months ago? These people aren't even on the same teams anymore. Or there's a Newsweek or a World Report, you know, U.S. News and World Report. It's like two years ago. And he's like, ah, oh, I'm not reading that. That's yesterday's news. Nobody would read any of those things. Why? Because it's not important. Not important at all. So then if, it wasn't, if it's not important now, why was it so important on that day? Jesus said it this way. Oh, this is a good verse. Jesus said in Luke 16, 15. The things that are highly valued by people are worth nothing in God's sight. I love the story about the man who wanted to take his money with him beyond the grave. One evening when he was thinking about death, he prayed very fervently about this. And an angel appeared. And the angel said to him, Sorry, you can't take all your wealth with you after death. But the Lord will allow you, just you, to take one suitcase with you. Fill it with whatever you wish. So overjoyed, this man got the biggest suitcase he could find, and he filled it with pure gold bars. Soon afterwards, he died. And he showed up with the heaviest suitcase you could ever imagine to the gates of heaven, 
And St. Peter, seeing him with the suitcase, says, hey, you can't bring that in here. You can't take it with you. And the man explained, now, no, 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 you don't understand. God has given me special permission. So St. Peter says, hold on a minute. He goes and he checks out with the angel Gabriel and confirms the story. And he says, okay, you can bring your suitcase in with you. But first, I've got to check out the contents. And as Peter opens the, the case, the suitcase, to see what were the items this guy just couldn't live without, he op- couldn't leave behind. He opens it up and he's like, I don't believe it. You brought pavement? For those of you who don't know, streets of gold are paved with, streets of heaven are paved with gold. Think about that. But I want you to think about the meaning. The thing that we value the most here, it's worthless pavement in God's economy, in God's sight. What do people value the most today? Here's what they value most. Success, wealth, and fame. This is what people value the most. Oh, they're, they're the most successful. Oh, they're the most famous. Oh, they're the most wealthy. That's what people value. What is that going to get you after you die? Absolutely nothing. How well known you are, how much money you have, how much you've accomplished. What's it going to matter? What kind of person you are here? What's going to matter is actually your character. That's all you can take with you. You can't take your stuff. You can't take your awards. You certainly can't take your wealth. You can only take your character because you're not taking your resume to heaven. You've got to leave that here. All right, number four. I've got three more. Don't worry, I can get them. I only have to please one person. Really, in life, I only have to please one person, my creator, only Jesus. And when we finally make that our goal, it simplifies life so much. John 5.30, Jesus talking again says, I don't try to please myself. I only... Please, the one who sent me. Jesus says, I am living for an audience of one. When I'm a people pleaser, when I allow people to take first place in my life, they suddenly become like a little God, little G. Anything I put before God becomes the little G God in my life. And when I care about people's opinions more than God's opinions, and I care about what they're saying more than what God's saying, when I care about what they think more than what God thinks, when I don't tell them, hey, I'm a Christian because I'm afraid of what they think, or I don't tell them I'm going to go to because I'm afraid of what they'll think, then I've got an idol in my life. I've got a little G, a little God in my life. Paul says it this way in Galatians 1.10. He says, I'm not trying to be a people pleaser. Isn't that a great verse? I'm not trying to be a people pleaser. No, I'm trying to please God. He says, if I was still trying to please people, I would not be Christ's servant. He says, you're going to be a miserable Christian, Christ follower, if what your goal in life is, is to please people. Fifth thing I want you to jot down, and boy, do we all need to get this one. One day I'll have to give an account to God of my life. One day I'll have to give an account of my life. This is the antidote. This helps me to not be a people pleaser. Romans 14:12 says, "Yes, each of us will have to give a personal account to God." 
when we remember that, when we have this long-term thinking, it changes the way we act. It changes the way we talk. Am I going to please God in this situation or am I going to please this person in this situation? Do I want God's approval in my life or do I want this person's approval in my life? When we take that long-term look that I'm going to have to account, the Bible says for every idle word even, then it's going to change some of the things that I say. It's going to change the fact that I'll have more confidence, that I can follow God's plan for my life, that I can stand up as a man or a woman. I can stand up for what's right because I'm going to have to give an account of my life. And at that point, when I get before God, and he says, what did you say in that conversation at work? What did you say when you were talking to those kids at school? Because remember to God, integrity. I'm the same on the inside as I am on the outside. Integrity is more important than popularity. Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words, in other words, you're a people pleaser, then I, the Son of Man, will be ashamed of him when I come in my glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Is Jesus going to be ashamed of us because we were ashamed of him? That's the people-pleaser problem. That's the approval addiction problem. That's the short-term thinking issue. All right, last one. The sixth thing I need to remember is that God has shaped me to be me. God has formed and made you to be you. God doesn't want me to be you. God doesn't want you to be somebody else. God isn't going to say, why weren't you like more like your brother, even though your mom said it? Why weren't you more like, more like your father? Why weren't you more like your mother? God's going to say, I made you to be you. Were you, you? God's not going to say, were you popular? He's not going to say, did you make everybody happy? He's not going to say, did you make sure you didn't ruffle any feathers down there? He's not going to say, Are you, did you become everybody, every, everything everybody wanted you to be? What he's going to say is, did you become who I made you to be? That's going to be on the final exam. What did you do with my son, Jesus? What did you do with what I gave you to accomplish your purpose on the planet? Romans 12, 2, which is the verse after. You know, we're going to go through this Transform series. It's all about Romans 12. And the next verse I love in the, in the message paraphrase says, Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. God's purpose for your life is good. His plan for your life is good. Everybody else's plan for your life, not good. God's plan for your life is perfect. And it meets all of your demands, and it prepares you for maturity in eternity. These six truths will set us free. If you let them, if you burn them into your memory, if you write them down, if you keep them in front of you. It, 
It'll keep you from being pushed into the mold that everybody else has for you. You'll be able to stand up and do the right thing. Let me review them. Even God can't please everybody. And you remember that one. I don't need anybody's approval in order to be happy is a choice. What seems important now, what you think of me, what's going on in our world, when I get to heaven, it's not going to matter. Number four, I only have to please one person. That makes life simple. Number five, one day I'm going to give an account of the life that I've lived. And finally, number six, God has shaped me to be me, not somebody else. There's only one person in the universe who knows you so deeply, completely, like Kristen said earlier, yet loves you unconditionally. His grace carries your heart. So you need to get to know your Savior, Jesus Christ. And you need to make sure that His opinion means more than everybody else's opinion. That's how you, as a child of God, follow your Savior through this life and into eternity. Now next week, we're going to talk about one of my favorite messages of all time. That is how to keep crazy people from making you crazy. So if you've got any crazy people in your life, don't bring them with you next week, but you come here next week, okay? You know, last thing you want to do is invite somebody, hey, you really need to come to church with me this week, and then that's the title. Okay, they're going to look at you and think, I'm your crazy person? Like, well, shoe fits, buddy. Let's pray and ask God to help us with this. Okay, will you bow your heads with me? I want you to pray this prayer with me, just in your mind. Say, dear God, dear God, you know how often other people's approval or disapproval control my life. Maybe you can say this. Say, God, I've done a lot of dumb things that I really didn't want to do. I've said yes when I wanted to say no. I've said no when really you wanted me to say yes. And I'm sorry. God, please help me to remember these truths. That I can't please everybody. And that I don't need to please everybody. And help me to remember that what seems so important right now is just temporary. And that I only have to please one person, you, Lord. Help me to remember that one day I'm going to stand before you and give an account of my life. And what's going to matter is that you shaped me to be me and not somebody else. So give me the courage to say no when no is the right thing. And give me the courage to say yes when yes is the right thing. And maybe you need to pray this and say, Jesus, I want to say yes to you today. Please come into my life. Thank you that you know me completely, yet you love me unconditionally. Jesus, come in and save me. Come into my life and change me. Change my mind. Change the way I think. I don't want to be molded and squeezed into a mold by the world. I want to be exactly who you made me to be. So from this day forward, I'm going to grow in making you what matters most in my life. You're number one in my life from this day forward. No other gods, no other idols, no other people. You're number one. You, you matter most. Help me to have the courage to do the right thing. It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. 
Hey everyone, glad you can join us online this morning. If you have any prayer needs, you can comment down below or head on over to SeminoleChurch.com slash prayer because we'd love to be praying for you. And like I said before the message, The Collective is meeting tonight. That's our college and young adult service. So if that's you, we'd love to invite you to come live and in person tonight at 7 p.m. for The Collective. There's a time of worship, a short message, and then we usually hang out until about 9 p.m. Well, that's it for this morning, SEC. Thanks again for watching, and we hope you have a great and blessed week. See ya.